0: Great moments are born from great opportunity, and that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. We stay with them, and we shut them down because we can. Baker takes the staff, Rolls right. Throws down the middle. The Joker's got it. Five twenty. 50. Happy Halloween. He's back to pass. Launch, fires. It's caught. Landry, touchdown! Here's Mayfield back to pass. He throws right corner of the end zone. Touchdown! They've
1: got it! It's Landry again!
0: He's going, He's going for a
1: Browns podcast. Hello, Dog Pound Nation. Um, I'll say I'm very excited to talk about this one with my colleague, Jason Mike, I'm very
0: excited as well.
1: Wow. So, uh, did you think we'd be talking about, even beginning of this year, we'd be talking about a three-game Browns winning streak?
0: I didn't think we'd be talking about the Browns being two and two, partially, even though I had predicted that we'd be two and two at this point.
1: Yeah, especially since with the way the season started, things just looked grim and looked the same as they did last year. But we're not last year's team anymore. No, no, we are
0: not. I'm going to go on record now and say this, everyone, my predictions are completely thrown out the window at this point. I have no idea what this Browns team is capable of now. uh,
1: No, I think we're to that point now where anything is possible and this team could go anywhere at this point. Exactly. Maybe except for the defense, I still think, that just needs quite a bit of work. But we'll get into that, especially when we talk about the fourth quarter of this game.
0: Yeah, the defense does need more work. But for three quarters of this game, they proved that they have an amazing defense.
1: They really do. I mean, think about it. Every turnover they have mustered, they have turned into touchdowns on the offensive side of the ball. And Miles Garrett has three straight games with a stri- with a strip sack. Yep. It's unbelievable. Three straight games now. Unbelievable. Miles Garrett's headed for that defensive player of the year, I think, again, that he was headed towards last year.
0: Without a doubt.
1: Just as long as he doesn't do another helmet throwing incident again against Pittsburgh.
0: I don't know. We'll have to see. Are we playing against Mason Rudolph or Ben Roethlisberger?
1: As of right now, it looks like Ben Roethlisberger, but anything's possible with that old fogey. Exactly. But, all uh, right,
0: ladies and gents, let's get to the game itself here.
1: Yeah. So, week <coughs> four against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, everybody across the board had the Cowboys winning this game. Even Cleveland.com's own, I think, eight uh, reporters all had the Cowboys winning by a pretty substantial margin, and a lot of them and boy, did They just proved everybody wrong across the, the whole. Well, it
0: was me and you both had predicted, that this was going to be a close game. Mm-hmm. Like this was going to be a shootout of a game, but it was going to be a close one. You had the Browns winning what, uh, thirty-three to thirty, I think, or something like that. Uh, it was
1: thirty to twenty-seven.
0: And I had thirty to twenty-seven Cowboys favor.
1: I mean. Again, everybody thought this was going to be a tight game. It was going to come down to the wire, and I guess in the fourth quarter it technically kind of did. But the score don't let it, don't let it fool you. The score
0: was so, the score was so different at that point that, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit of a heart attack at first, and but we still win by eleven in the end.
1: Yeah, uh, I figured who it was on ESPN. You know, he said, you know, don't let the final score of this game fool you. They said this game was never really close. The Browns handed the Cowboys a blowout. It's just that the fact is the Browns' defense loosened up in the fourth quarter. Teams probably shouldn't do that, but they do. A lot of them do. And sometimes it comes back to bite you. Thankfully, it didn't bite the Browns in the ass. No, it didn't.
0: Uh, Let's talk about some highlights of this game real quick before we get down to the stat lines. All right. My uh, personal favorite was the 37-yard touchdown pass from Jarvis
1: Landry to
0: Odell Beckham. Oh,
1: God. I, I, when I saw this play happen, I have wished for years that the Browns would do something like this. Especially, actually, coming up right behind me, you're going to see that highlight in about a second. But uh, we've seen so many teams pull off those flea flicker moves and everything, and the Browns never pull that shit off. They never no, do. they don't. They never had hey, any...
0: no one what no one would have expected Jarvis Landry to connect with OBJ for a lengthy touchdown pass
1: like that. There it is right there. That bomb right see, there.
0: That's just a thing of
1: beauty right there. Oh, we never had a coach ballsy enough to make play calls like that. And we saw two OBJ plays in this game, both ended up in touchdowns, both were creative as hell.
0: Exactly, the 50-yard touchdown run by OBJ
1: That saved the game. At the end
0: of the game, yeah. So – We've got a lot to talk about here. Let's start with Baker Mayfield, 19 of 30 for 165 yards, two touchdowns, and yet again, a big old goose egg in the interception column.
1: I think Baker Mayfield is finally starting to find his way. I think that by by, by the team winning – Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running well. I think he's gaining confidence. He's feeling good about himself, and he's not forcing the ball into tight coverage because that line's actually protecting him.
0: The thing that's really helping them, too, is the fact that our running game is so strong. We can rely more on our running game while giving him more time to actually, you know, look for these passes in
1: the pocket. Exactly. Exactly. And it's also helping, too, that the Browns are not going down early in games like they did against Baltimore, where they can rely on the run and not have to focus on the pass all the time.
0: Well, we did go down early in the game, obviously. We were down 14-7 in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. But when in the second quarter you blow it open by scoring 24 unanswered points, scoring not Mm -hmm. only our third straight 30-point game, which hasn't been done since what was it in the '60s? I think is what I saw.
1: Uh, the last time the Browns scored that many points in the first half was 1991. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about three straight 30-point games. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was 67 or 68 or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's the
0: fact that we scored 31 points in the first half.
1: I, 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 my mind is blown, and I, I and I really, truly, and honestly thought that by halftime of this game, kind of like you, when you said that you thought the game was going to maybe, maybe remain low scoring and tight, the fact that we had a total of how many points was it in the first half between both teams? 45
0: total, 31 for us, 14 for Dallas. That's freaking crazy. The thing that makes me really go nuts about this game is the fact that after the Cowboys went and scored their – Second touchdown in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. We went and scored the next 34 points unanswered. Yeah,
1: yeah. Based off of what? Uh, a couple of big turnovers. There was a the, the fumble, um, the fumble, the big strip sack. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the only interception that Dak threw, Dax threw, was at the end of the game. Yeah. Okay. But uh, looking down the stat line here, I'm looking at like time of possession and stuff like that. I mean, the Browns this game only had five penalties for 40 yards. So that got cleaned up. It did. I
0: mean, it's still more penalties than I'd like to see, but mm-hmm. there it wasn't for big yardage like we're used to seeing when it comes to the Browns.
1: No, and the I mean, Browns let's face it. The Browns' time of possession they had the ball about six minutes longer than Dallas, which a lot of that I think came from the first half. Yeah. Um, Uh,
0: first down efficiency. I mean, the Cowboys actually had more
1: first downs than us. Surprisingly. But then again, we had, we had more big plays than they did.
0: Yeah. Uh, third down efficiency. The Browns were five of 11 compared to six of 11 for the Cowboys. The Browns did it smart here. They didn't really have to worry about doing any fourth down plays at all.
1: Mm Mm-mm. No, and the surprising stat here is that Dallas actually had more total yards than the Browns, but at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, they definitely did have
0: more total yards. But when you pass for over 500 yards and you still lose by that much, what does that say about your defense? Not too much. Here's the thing that people really have to look at here and that is the rushing yards. The Browns got 307 <laughs> yards of ground ground ball running
1: through Dallas' defense. You know, one thing we got to talk about here as far as rushing yards are concerned, let's talk about how Dallas has underutilized Ezekiel Elliott for this whole season.
0: And that completely blows my mind out of the water. Especially, you have an elite running back in Ezekiel Elliott, and you're not using him how he should be, and that he is not one of those, like, finesse guys, he is going to be one of those running backs that blows through the line like you see from people like uh, Marshawn Lynch.
1: Uh, Yeah. And the thing of it is, too, is, like, I'm almost feeling like that we're going down the track of, Zeke maybe asking for a trade after this season if this continues.
0: I don't know, but at the same time also I'm wondering if maybe Ezekiel Elliott isn't as much of the elite running back as people kept thinking he was too. It's possible only because of the fact of how bad the Browns stuffed the run defense or the running game for Dallas.
1: Yeah, I mean Elliott wasn't even a factor in this game. He didn't even register on the radar. Well, well, here's the thing about that, though. You also got to keep in mind
0: we were up 41 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. They were going to have to pass the ball. That's true. Why Prescott's uh, passing yards were so high is because they played from down by so much the entire
1: game. Well, let's see. Elliott finished with what 12 carries, 54 yards. He averaged four and a half yards a carry, and his longest run was for 24 yards. I think that was right at the end of the game, too. Yeah. Um,. But, yeah, their rushing yards were very limited all game. But then, again, when you're going down big, that, that hampers that whole thing. But, I mean, Amari Cooper went off for them, I mean, with 134 yards. But, again, a lot of those yards but came I, in garbage that's time. It's
0: going to be because the fact they had to play catch-up.
1: Yeah. And a lot of those yards were in garbage uh, time.
0: Uh, yeah, it was. Especially when you see Prescott having 41 of
1: 58 for passing. You know, it's kind of funny because – Prescott's performance, I compare it to um, Burrow's performance against the Browns because he threw, I think, what was it, 62 pass attempts in that game. Yeah. So I mean, to me, I look at it this way: the Browns are forcing teams to pass, especially when you had the Bengals and the, and the Cowboys that both have good good running backs in Elliott and Joe Mixon. But the Browns are forcing these teams to pass. Which
0: is a great move because that means the Browns are playing a complete football. Mm-hmm. They are playing what you see Mike McCarthy keep telling people to do, and that's play complimentary football.
1: Mhm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, I think that too, with that, it's proving that the Browns run defense is a lot better than their pass defense. Oh, for sure. Uh, But then again, that also has to do with the fact that you got Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Miles Garrett on your offensive – on your defensive line.
0: Again, you're running into a brick wall with that. Pretty much, and that's why – You know what, uh, going back to what we were talking about, the last time that we saw the Browns scoring 30 points in three straight games back in 67 to 68, Mm -hmm. are we seeing the resurrection of the cardiac kids?
1: I think so. I think we are, just like I think we're seeing the resurrection of the Chubb-Hunt combo as being Biner and Mac.
0: Exactly. So, speaking of Chubb, by the way, I'm sure you guys already saw in the Facebook post that was put out uh, yesterday. Yeah. Unfortunately, Nick Chubb is down with an injury this game after this game, the sprained yeah. MCL. We're hoping that it's going to be only the three weeks that uh, the – reserve injury list mandates he be on.
1: But I like
0: we're probably going to be seeing about six weeks of lost action.
1: At least. Good news is that there's a, there's a bye week in there. So that takes one week off the injury list for as far yeah. as many games. But uh, we just sit here and we hope that maybe it's only three games. Uh, I, I, have, I have a feeling so, it's I mean, not going to be... We're hoping that
0: we're, we hear Dog Pound Nation are obviously wishing Nick Chubb a speedy recovery. Hoping that Definitely. he can come back quick and get back to you know doing what he's known for and that's running that ball
1: right down the middle. Make make defenses rumbling tumbling and stumbling. Um, yeah I, I believe I don't think that he'll end up being out probably for the full six weeks because even Stefanski and his uh, uh one of his pressers even said that he was pretty confident that he'll be back sooner rather than later so that was very encouraging. Um, well we but, can hope. But we don't want to rush him back, so we don't want him to re-injure it. And then if we make a playoff run, he's not there. So tread softly, Chubb. Uh, We're with you, and get back soon. And here's the thing
0: about that, though, too. Before Chubb got injured, he was well on his way to having yet another 100-yard rushing game. Absolutely. He was running all over It was, what, the beginning of the second quarter he was knocked out, we were discussing? Yep. He was six carries for 43 yards already at that point, with an average of 7.2 per carry.
1: Can you imagine what he would have run for if he would have finished? Exactly. I mean, to be honest with you, maybe he would have ran for 250 or 275.
0: Uh, who knows at this rate? I mean, especially after the game we were playing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, too, I mean, look, look at the running performances. I mean, you had uh, uh, Hilliard uh, come in, and he put up uh, 20 yards. Yeah, his 20 yards was limited, but, I mean, they were they were powerful powerful 20 yards. Then you had Kareem Hunt come in and put up 71 yards. With two touchdown
0: uh, rushes,
1: but the man you
0: have Beckham here that had two running plays for 73 yards, including the last touchdown we scored being that 50-yard rushing
1: touchdown from Beckham. But the man that deserves all the a lot of the big rushing credit is De'Ernest Johnson. Oh, I was not
0: expecting to come out of the gate like he did.
1: No. And the announcers told a very interesting story about him, that he was looking for his big break in the NFL. He was a fisherman. He was on a fishing boat. And he was looking for his chance to be in the NFL, and this was the game where he got his shot. And, boy, did he ever come through. Oh,
0: exactly. He did. 13 carries for 95 yards.
1: Absolutely crazy. I mean, his longest run was 28. He was averaging 7.3 yards a carry.
0: Uh, that's insane.
1: Man, I mean, shit. I, I, I just can't believe it. And I, I hope that this guy gets more uh, – I think he'll get more carries going forward now, at least for these next four to five games. Oh, I'm expecting he will too. mm mm-hmm.
0: uh, Let's go into our receiving game here now. All right. Uh, Beckham having – his first three multi-game touchdown for the Browns this week. Five receptions for 81 yards
1: and two touchdowns. Boy, was it nice to see the real Odell Beckham stand up.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. Looking at this here, 73 yards rushing, 108, or, uh, uh, sorry, 81 yards receiving. That's 154 yards that of offense from Beckham alone.
1: It's just like the Browns came to the realization that, hey, you know what? This offense needs to kind of somewhat run through him, especially with Chubb being down.
0: Well, I don't think it's a matter of that it needs to run through him. It was a matter of we're seeing the Odell Beckham Jr. that we saw during the first couple of years of his career in the New York they got everyone talking about him. The Odell Beckham Jr. that will be the highlight reel every week.
1: Well, I I think the question is now is that, you know, who do we put that blame on for all this time being wasted of of not seeing the Odell Beckham that that we know we should have been seeing? Who's really to blame for that?
0: At this point, we really can't even answer that because there's a multitude of factors that could have gone into that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I look at Freddie Kitchens being a huge problem last year. I think his play calling was not benefiting Beckham or Mayfield for that matter. It
0: definitely was bad play calling on Kitchens' part.
1: I mean, we are seeing fantastic play calling from Stefanski, and it really makes me wonder, man, we should have just hired him last year like like, like, uh, our analytics guy wanted. But John Dorsey made the mistake, and that's why he was out on his ass. Look,
0: I agree. We could have done that. I also wonder how we would have fared if we would have kept uh, Greg Williams on as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, with Greg Williams, at least the team I feel like would have had a lot of discipline. Um, in, in those games that he coached, the Browns looked like a completely different team than they did with Hugh Jackson. And you have exactly. to kind of sit there and wonder why. You know, what was it? What, what was the thing that lit the, the team, a whole fire underneath the team's ass?
0: I, I, I think it was the fact that, Hugh Jackson was finally gone is what lit the fire under their ass.
1: Yeah, the incompetence of Hugh Jackson, Mr., what was it? Uh, He finished with a record of four in like, 30-something when he left. Yeah, it, he finished with the record of not good. I, I think he went down as the worst, had the worst coaching record in NFL history.
0: It wouldn't surprise me.
1: Pathetic but thing. anyway,
0: going back to the receiving game here, guys, it's the Beckham and Landry tandem that mm-hmm. took over this game. I mean, like we discussed, five receptions for 81 yards, two TDs for Beckham, and then Landry with another solid five receptions and 48 yards receiving.
1: Yeah. Um. Again, Jarvis Landry, you know, he's been quiet this year, but th- the thing is you need to realize something with this. He's been quiet, but what he's done – it's not yes. so much that he's been
0: quiet; it's more the fact that we've got more of a complete uh, receiving game mm-hmm. that we don't need to rely on just Beckham and just Landry in order to win the games. No, we've and- got they're they're putting up consistent yardage. It's just that this week was the huge breakout week for Beckham when it comes to playmaking. This is we finally get to see what a game plan is like when you have Jarvis Landry and OBJ operating at a hundred percent.
1: Well, yeah, people don't realize that last year they were both playing with injuries and and it it hampered their play. I mean, it's quite obvious by by what we're seeing now that it obviously did because they are showing what they are now fully capable of one hundred percent.
0: Exactly, a team that. Well, our secondary need, needed the work here, let's face it.
1: Yeah, but absolutely. we're
0: seeing a team that was as complete as we've seen them in a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, all around <coughs> in this game was pretty complete. Uh, you know, again, our only gripe will be, the, will be the defense in the fourth quarter, but there's a good excuse for that, and I don't think we're going to see that being a problem going forward like that. I think the Browns are going to learn from that. I'm hoping so anyway. Yeah, when you're up in a big game, just keep the foot on the throat and just don't don't let up. But, but gotta-
0: anyway, I want to talk real quick before we go down the rest of the line here, Mike. Um, that last tu- that last touchdown that OBJ scored in the fourth quarter, the rushing touchdown,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the inadvertent two point conversion.
1: <laughs> that was so entirely screwed up. That whole chain of events went from. Exactly, Are you serious? Our to- missed, our missed PAT.
0: But because of the fact that a Cowboys player touched that ball and we just happened to recover it in the end zone, we get the two-point conversion.
1: And I want to talk about the fact, too, that I am so tired of referee incompetence that when this play went down, it's obvious what the result was. And they're all standing around talking about it it's like you're referees don't you know the rules of the own of your own game that you're officiating I let I let it happen
0: at this point you know that there's going to be incompetency no matter where you go
1: <sighs> Dumbfounds me but whatever
0: but anyway back to the receiving game we got harrison bryant with four rece- four receptions 37 yards Uh He played a good factor in this. Another huge part of our game, Austin Hooper making more of an appearance here. He may not have had the yardage, uh, only 34 yards receiving, but he got a touchdown pass in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know. Five
0: receptions. He averaged 6.8 yards per reception.
1: I mean, yeah, some people will will say that, oh, you know, Austin Hooper was signed to this big contract. He's an all-star tight end. The Browns are not utilizing him. But what people are missing is, is that maybe what it's not so much the catches.
0: What pe- no, it's not even that. What people are missing is this is the fact that Stefanski came into this season with a game plan. There is a reason why David Njoku decided to retract his desire to be traded. And that's because he looked at the game – he listened to the game plan that Stefanski had and was on board with it. Stefanski mm-hmm. is known. Stefanski is known people that he is a play, he is a coach that loves going with a three tight end system. And we'll get Njoku back this week, so that'll be huge. Well, hopefully we'll get him back. It's supposed he, to. Is to, he, is to, he was designated to come off the injured reserve list. It's a mm-hmm. matter of how are we going to see him in practice this week.
1: Yeah, and also too, you know, what's going to be his production because of, because of past injury and yeah, Najoku's got a history of getting re-injured very easily, so that also frightens me too because that, and that's why they signed Austin Hooper and that's why Najoku couldn't be pissed off about it because <coughs> what did you expect the Browns to do? You haven't stayed healthy a whole season since you've been here.
0: Like I said, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with that. Okay? Yeah, but all right, let's go on to the other side of the ball, our defense.
1: All right, yeah, this Meeting, is interesting. Uh,
0: Team in tackles, Terrence Mitchell,
1: eleven
0: tackles with one assisted tackle.
1: Damn, I'm looking to see what his total for the year is here because th- th- I think this was his, this he was his put breakout on game. Big numbers. This actually was his breakout game because he actually has sixteen tackles total now. So before, coming into this game, he only had five in the first three games.
0: Yeah, he's put up some good numbers so far. So
1: I was very happy to see him kind of come out. He's like coming out I, You know,
0: you want what gets me excited to see Denzel Ward four solo tackles, interception.
1: Yeah, we're back, Denzel, Denzel Ward, Ward
0: playing. We're seeing Denzel Ward where we want him to be.
1: Well, yeah, his coverage has been excellent. You know, the way he played against Cincinnati and Washington, it just seems like he's been on the ball. None of the big plays are really coming from his side of the field that they've given up. Yeah. So, I'm glad to see him back to form. Let's talk
0: about the other shining point in our defense this week. The perennial contender for NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett. Yes, he may have only had two solo tackles and one assist tackle, but two sacks.
1: Yeah. One of I them mean, being a
0: strip sack Three games third in a row. third week in a
1: row. Three games in a row. I'm going to go down Miles Garrett's uh, stat list here for the year so far to see what we're looking at. So, he's up to uh, ten tackles, five sacks, which he's tied for first in the NFL with uh, – Three forced fumbles tied for first in the NFL. So there you go. I
0: I can see Miles Garrett running away with the title this year.
1: Yeah, I mean as of right now, if he continues this. Barring any
0: unforeseen circumstances, obviously, I can see
1: Miles Garrett running away with it this year. I think so. I think I think he would have ran away with it last year if it wouldn't have been for what happened. Exactly. So it just makes, it just seems fitting that he's picking up right where he left off. But I think actually he's been better than he was last year. So yeah. time's going to tell if it's going to get, if it's going to keep that way. But uh, yet again, uh, so Sheldon, we
0: had the other big members of our line here uh, live here. Vernon with and Richardson. Three solo tackles Richardson with two solos, one assisted.
1: I'm glad to see Vernon and Richardson coming into their own because last year they just seemed like they were a non-factor, but it, This year, they really feel like they're finally uh, becoming what we got them for.
0: Yeah, and another thing, that too, that I love seeing was the fact that our kick return game was actually pretty good, too. Yeah. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones with three returns, averaging 24.3 yards per return with 73 total.
1: I mean, again, I mean – we're having a lot of these guys that are, that are just providing break breakout performances. Guys you didn't even expect to really be factors are becoming factors.
0: Exactly. And then you've got Cody Parkey, yet again, uh, perfect on his field goals. PAT wasn't perfect, obviously, this week with that missed P- PAT at the end of the game. But that turned into our favorite somehow.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really blame him so much for that though, because I mean, the guy came around the edge; he was undefended. It wasn't so much a missed kick as it was just a bad, uh, bad blocking on the on the line. Yeah, but well, he's still been forty-four
0: solid. yard long. Uh, forty-four yards is the longest uh, field goal this week.
1: See, that's again, that's that's not bad. I mean, that's no, at the, not at all. He, he's coming through. I mean. Think of it. Think of it this way: You're, we, we can compare him to Cybert and, and Zane Gonzalez, and I mean, he is doing what those guys should have been doing, what they were drafted to do, and unfortunately, wasn't so much the case. Exactly.
0: Now we can hope that we've got a kicker finally in the same realm as Phil Dawson, where that we can consistently depend on making these field goals.
1: It's about time. Long overdue.
0: PX's. Just real quick going over the other side of the ball here to Dallas. I mean, already discussed this Dak Prescott 41 of 58 for 502 yards, which in and of itself is very impressive. But a lot of that is wasted time, though them trying to play catch-up because the fact they were playing from behind by so much this game.
1: Well, yeah, all you got to do is look at Dak Prescott's stats before the fourth quarter. And they – I mean, he didn't have any interceptions or anything. But, I mean, his yardage was down. His <coughs> completion percentage was okay. You know, so, again, a lot of his stats are coming in garbage time. So, to sit there and give him full credit for, oh, he had that many yards a game. You know, it's what
0: people also got to take away from this that, you know, the Cowboys are still, I believe, the league leading team when it comes to score offense.
1: They are, they are. That's and that's sad because, I mean, they're one and three and they're they have the number one offense in the NFL, and And that goes to show
0: just what their defense is doing, though.
1: Yeah, ESPN is what literally called the Dallas Cowboys' defense trash and probably one of the worst in the NFL right now.
0: It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if that was true.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, but, I, I mean, mean, the thing that really surprised the hell out of me this game was just how badly we shut down Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I mean, again, Ezekiel Elliott, yards, tw- twelve carries for yeah. only fifty-four yards. Abysmal. That just – I wouldn't call that abysmal on Elliott's part. I'd call that more just how improved
1: our run defense has shown this week. Well, that too. I mean, our run defense has been probably the best it's been in an awfully long time. Exactly. But if you look at Zeke's stats, I mean, uh, four games in, he's only rushed for 273 yards on 70 attempts only three rushing touchdowns, and he's only averaging 3.9 yards a carry. Which is
0: obviously not good, but no. it's to be expected, though. Nowadays, it feels like.
1: Yeah, because really when you go, we go look at a lot of these big running backs, I mean, to be honest, uh, go, go down the list. I mean, how many dynamic running backs really are there in the NFL right now that really truly stand out? Chubb. Chubb. Um, Todd, uh, Todd Gurley still stands out a bit. Yeah. I'm having, my doubt, I'm having my heavy doubts on Gurley now. It's unfortunate he's in Atlanta because that team is drowning. Um, Let's see who else here. Uh, James Conner in Pittsburgh <coughs> is, has, has been fairly good and fairly consistent. Um, I mean, McCaffrey too. Oh, McCaffrey. McCaffrey
0: is another – will always be another dynamic standout running back.
1: Yeah, yeah. McCaffrey, McCaffrey and Chubb, I think, are the two most elite in the NFL. Um. We also got to keep in mind Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. We also got to mention Saquon Barkley. He's out the rest of the Unfortunately, year. Unfortunately,
0: with him being out, uh, a lot of the offensive weapons for the Giants are out this year. Not much you can do
1: there. Well, let's think about it. How, how, how much has it <laughs> sucked a bit to be a New Yorker and be a football fan right now?
0: Yeah. Two zero we'll and 0-4 football that. teams. We'll just leave it at that, yeah.
1: I don't feel sorry for them, but – all I I to say we know but, how you feel.
0: Uh, like Dallas's receiving game, it was obviously really good, and that's because, you know, playing from behind. They had to be good at the end of the game.
1: Yeah, Amari Cooper's 134 yards and, and, and CeeDee Lamb's, to me that's all in garbage time. That that does not But it, I
0: was really impressed with CeeDee Lamb being a rookie yeah. um, receiver and being able to still put up that kind of yardage and the two TDs this get, week.
1: Yeah, I mean, he still had a hell of a game. He was he was getting open. He was running routes very well. Um, if I were the Cowboys, I'd be very encouraged by that draft pick that they made because that's that going forward is going to be a bonus for them.
0: Yeah, the thing that I loved seeing though is that Dallas only was able to get two sacks this week, compared to what we normally see can happen to a Browns quarterback. Well, yeah, that I shows mean, that that shows that our offensive line is vastly improving.
1: I mean, Baker Mayfield has not been sacked that much this year. Uh, I'm going to look at his uh, sacks. Uh, well, Baker, well, I'll go down Baker's stats. So, Baker's stats, as of right now for the year, puts him at uh, completion per, or QBR of 73.8. Uh, his completion percentage is 62.6 with 729 pass yards and seven interceptions and only two picks. Only two picks. Which is impressive in and of itself. He's tied for eighth in the NFL interceptions and tied for 11th in touchdowns. Um, I'm looking to see how many times he's been sacked. Uh, He's been sacked six times in four games. Yeah. That's down from quite a a bit from last year.
0: It really is. So let's hope that we can keep it this way.
1: One can hope, right?
0: All right. So now on to discussing what we think is going to happen with this next week.
1: Okay, so the Browns will be traveling back home to play the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, <coughs> Indy's defense is one of the best in the NFL.
0: Indy's defense, I can make the argument that they are the number one defense in the NFL right now.
1: Yeah, so it, it's going to be complicated, especially without Nick Chubb. But, um, again, I feel like our offense is probably going to have to put up probably at least 20 points, I think, on Indianapolis to to possibly get this win. Uh, Because, I mean, to be honest –
0: I think is very doable considering we have multiple threats that are actually playing at a level we need them to be now.
1: Yeah, and Indianapolis' offense, they're not dynamic. Phillip Rivers is aging. He's he's, he's an all-right quarterback at this point. Um, I wouldn't say Indy's offense is really going to put a hurting on the Browns' defense, I don't think.
0: So this one, I'm going to go with this one being a lower-scoring game. Okay. But I can see the Browns winning this one probably 28-20. to 20.
1: So, you're going to go with the Browns 28-20? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm conflicted on this because I don't know if I want to go with the Browns scoring a lot of points or not. Um, I am actually probably going to say the Browns will win this one 23-13.
0: Really, you think the the Colts are only going to put up 13
1: points? I do. I don't have a lot of confidence that the Colts are going to put up a lot of points cuz I just don't think their offense is dynamic. Uh I think it's more they're more so a defensive team. I mean, I mean I'm even going with the stretch to even give the Browns 23 points, but considering what they put together the last the last couple of weeks with all these 30 plus point games, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and at least say they'll put up 23.
0: You see, I think we're going to be the team that finds the chink in the armor known as the Colts defense this week. You think the Browns will put up more points? I think we'll put, like I said, I think we're going to put up 28.
1: Okay. it's interesting because last week we were flipped on that one.
0: <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see what happens with this one. But it's very possible that we leave this week coming up here four and
1: one. I'm pretty confident that the Browns will be four and one going into Pittsburgh, which I can't believe I'm even saying that the Browns could be four and one going into Pittsburgh. Oh boy. And that that just
0: shows you what kind of a team we have now. What we could have what we should have expected to be happening last season.
1: Well, I think this is the first year as well where I think we can literally go into a Brown Steelers matchup and we actually feel confident going in there and being able to beat them. Exactly. So I I don't, I don't know. And, and the thing of it is too, is like, I'll be curious to see Pittsburgh play this week. They're playing Philly. Uh, Philly found themselves a little bit on Monday night football. And I'm hoping that maybe they're going to bring that same composure to Pittsburgh. And, uh,
0: well, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's unfortunate we have to wait until week seven to see the matchup that I really wanted to see this past week, which was Tennessee. the Steelers and Titans game.
1: Yeah, especially but, since the Steelers have not played anybody of value yet, and I was looking forward to seeing them play somebody actually with talent.
0: Yeah, but we're still getting a good matchup in the Steelers playing against the Eagles, so I'm looking forward to that game as well.
1: Yeah, I think the Eagles are going to put up a little bit of a fight, whether it'll be – you Know in Philly's benefit or not, I don't know, but hoping Carson Wentz can put a beating on Pittsburgh. Hey, we'll have to wait and see what happens then. We will see. All right, so unless you've got anything
0: else I had here, Mike, uh, I think we've got this one just about wrapped up.
1: I think so. Uh, looks like no comments in the room today for questions. I'm that's sad. We, we need some more of those people. We give us some hey, questions. Come on. Hey, guys. Yeah, come on, let's get some more people in this room live, you know. I understand. We're just starting this podcast. So we're going to have to grow an audience like we did with the other podcast. Exactly. So. It's fine. So, uh, keep listening, everybody. And uh, we look forward to the Browns in week five.
0: All right, folks. I'm Jason Kabasi. Mike Winkler. And this is Dog Pound Nation, signing out.